2: Welcome, everybody, to this Tuesday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields. And to my left, some 1,600 something. I don't remember how many miles. Gene Victoria Norlock. How are you, Gene?
3: I'm good. How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm good. We're having the bird singing spring weather stuff like you are, so it's awesome.
3: Yeah, you finally caught up, eh, Texan?
2: <laughs> yeah, several times in the past few weeks, it's been colder here than it has been up there in the mountains of Quebec, which is just odd, seems. But
3: mm, global part weirding of,
2: part of that global weirding that we've been having going on. Um mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, it was warmer up there when I got up this morning. It was warmer up there than it was here. I was like, Wait, "What? Wait a minute!" But the were, birds were singing anyway, so yay
3: which is good. Singing birds, I love them. The birds sing to wake me up, and the crickets sing to put me to sleep, and um, yeah. I um, gotta say, I, I get what this, uh, our guest tonight is talking about. Yeah. Because I might not have gotten a lot of work done on the computer this week, but I'm certainly enjoying my <laughs> my living. I really am. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling a little bit spoiled. Um. Okay, I'm feeling a lot spoiled. And I think everybody should feel spoiled all the time. To be quite honest, I think people should just live that way, and it's it's nice to be able to get up in the morning, decide what you want to do with your day. And today, do I want to paint? Do I want to write? Do I want to plant flowers? I don't know.
2: What do I want to do? Don't want to touch birds. Paint and then scrape it all off them.
3: (laughs) I totally did. I totally did. But I, you know, I mean, that's just part of the the painting on mirrors um it takes about 40 layers to do one properly and to be quite honest i started this one under duress so to speak <laughs> i needed something to um chill me out so i wasn't really concentrating on on what i was putting down and i don't know maybe
2: 10 layers in and i'm realizing it's got it's got to go <laughs> <laughs> Ten layers in, and you're realizing you paint demons, and you're like, oh, wait, yeah, I was trying to relax. I've got to go. Razor yeah, blade but, that but
3: so it's, I'm, uh, I'm in the middle middle of scraping it off, and I'll start again. But that's the cool thing yeah. about
2: painting mirrors as opposed to, like, the wall or something absorbent. You just razor blade and start again.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. But you, it's, it's kind of like using an etch-a-sketch for art because you can't fix something. On a mirror, when you're using the the really thin layered paint that I'm using and, and painting in the style that I paint, you can't fix anything on it. You have to start it over. That like you have to scratch it off and start it over. So even if somebody passed by and drops a hair into the paint, and because any little speck will show up because it's such thin paint, and that's why I say like it's at least 30, 40 layers to do. Yeah, I mean a basic painting is thirty or forty layers if you want to get complex like the northern lights paintings that I do those are seventy to eighty layers so you know you it's you can't you can't just start it over it's like a it's like an extra sketch really you have to shake it and start over again so so you know but it's it's good though because good. I think that it yeah well, it teaches you patience, you see. Well, and, and we all use a little more patience in our lives.
2: I think it's grand that you have at least some form of creative outlet that we, you know, that I don't take advantage of, you know, for the show. Gene, <laughs> would you write something for the something? Because would you? You're the author. Would you write this? And, uh, Jean, <laughs> I'll stick I the pictures picture in, and, picture. and you know, I need a package, and I need a this, and these people want a proposal. So <clears throat>
3: It's, you know what? If if I could sell a painting for a couple grand and, you know, I don't know, pay for another trip to Costa Rica, I'd totally do it. Cause oh, I, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> well, we'll definitely be going again because I'm just going. And, um, um, uh, I guess that's a, a backhanded official on the air announcement. I'm moving, yeah, <laughs> uh, to Costa Rica and, um, uh,
3: headquarters is moving
2: to Costa Rica. That's right. That's right. And um, uh, so it'll be easy to have EC on the road in Costa Rica because I won't have to go anywhere. Well, maybe I have to come to the airport to pick you up. Maybe.
3: Yeah. Well, somebody's going to have to pick me up.
2: Well, there's a plane that comes to Palmar Norte, though, so you can – Norte. That's so, true. You know, like- come get you there on the little plane.
3: Over, yeah, ooh, I've never been on a small plane like that. That would be fun.
2: They're fun, exciting. Madison would like it. She has to come sometime time Madison can go because you can't go. You you got away with go, going to Costa Rica without Madison, but you can't do that twice, right?
3: Well, that would work, deal, right? So, right? Plane, but yeah, 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 absolutely. That is the deal. Um, even when I was in the Philippines for my the writing of my books, um, the she
4: the
2: second third time.
3: Or second third time.
2: second time your time. I don't know. I know she was there. I've seen pic- pictures.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, she was, and she she was actually um, she went on the road with a film crew at the age of I think she was fourteen at the time.
4: Yep. Right. And
3: uh, we had to give her a shower in a waterfall at one point because we were miles and hours away from any place that we could actually wash or bathe
2: <laughs> yeah well waterfalls work i mean yeah
3: um so i think she'd fit right into costa rica but we can yeah. ask our guest about that because i'm sure she would know if yeah. crazy 14 year old girl that likes to shower in waterfalls and would seems to have to passed the, the
2: patient's test so you know i
3: think she might have mm-hmm. should we introduce her then all right
2: then so um Tonight we have with us uh, an author and a uh, uh, Costa Rican expat transplant something. And we're going to hear the story about that because um, um, she claims that she's now happier than a billionaire. And I know that most people would enjoy being happier than a billionaire or think they would or something. And so we have Nadine Hayes. Uh, Pisani is it Pisani? Yes, it is. Welcome. How are you?
1: Very good. I just want to say I never pass up showering in a waterfall. See there. (laughs) Awesome.
2: Because it's not, living in most places, it's not something you can do every day, so you might as well take advantage.
3: And there are some pretty splendid waterfalls here. There are. I actually, um, I took a shower in one myself while I was there and um, played in the pool and climbed some rocks and, yes, had a great old time. It's. It's quite an entertaining space to be in. I don't think you can really have a dull moment in Costa Rica. It is so
1: beautiful around here that you can't help but wake up in the morning and just feel inspired and feel grateful just by the color of the sky or uh, the animals and the trees. Every morning I wake up to howler monkeys in the trees and it never gets old. It never gets dull. And I think it's just a wonderful way to just take a de- deep breath, be grateful for what you have. And for some reason, this country really connects you to that.
2: I I think it probably has something to do with the, that whole pure, pura vida idea, but we'll, we'll get into that, I'm sure, uh, before the evening's out.
1: I think you know it's funny we we joke a lot about uh uh tico time here. <laughs> Have you experienced that yet? Everything's a little later.
2: Right, so, right. But it tico not, time. Oh,
1: your house for related prepare. to island
2: time and
1: Yeah, everything's, you know,
2: slow down on, and uh, you know.
1: And uh when you come from, you know, uh it's not just the states, but a life that's, you know, high paced the rat race, and you come here, and I think some people, it's harder for them to, to be on that type of, of, of timeline. I love it because I think I needed that. I needed forcibly to slow down and have patience. And I enjoy the fact that you can be a little late here, that you know you can enjoy a meal at dinner and they're not going to bring you the check in, you know very quickly to get you out of there. So there's things here and there's lessons you can learn here um, if you just try to accept it and you don't try to fight it. And I think that sometimes maybe expats try to fight things a little too much. They're so used to where they're from. But for me, I was really, really open to this experience and I wanted to take in everything, all the lessons that, that were here.
3: Oh, that's awesome and I bet you have experienced a ton of them. Um and we're gonna get into that as well. But before we do, we're gonna get this first question in and um hear the what your answer question. is. The infamous question which um we sort of answered, but I bet your answer would be different than our answer. And I'm looking forward to what your answer is now, and I know that your answer now would be totally different than what your answer would have been before you moved to Costa Rica. So that's that's always a fun comparison game to play as well. So, Nadine, who on earth are you and what do you do?
1: Um, what do I do?
3: What do right. you do? Just what do I do?
2: Who on, no, <laughs> who on earth are you?
3: Who, who on who earth am? are you? And what do you do? And what do you do? do, you do?
2: It's two very small questions, you know. Who who are you? And,
1: I yeah. am a writer, and I love to say that. I think I wanted to say that my whole life. And it was until I moved here that I explored that more, and that um, I think by letting go of a few things and letting go of the rat race, I opened up a lot of creativity space in my mind. I joke that by getting rid of a lot of stuff, I made room metaphorically even in my head for for a, just a more of a creative, happy place. And by finding that creative, happy space, it just seemed like my life unraveled in ways that I could never have predicted. I never thought that I would be in this place. I didn't come here to write a book. I didn't come here to be a writer. I just always liked to write. And this gave me a wonderful place, a quiet place, where I can do it and I think by allowing myself to follow exactly who I thought I was and enjoy the things that I really truly enjoy doing that that was when all the blessings came in and it's a it's kind of odd for me to even say that because I'm not that type of person who would have believed it I don't think I would have believed it so I guess the answer to that is I'm a very happy writer.
2: That's awesome. And and what an example of that old adage, follow your passion and everything else will fall into place.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not you know, I came from a very hard working family and 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 my father who taught me and I think all parents they just want the best for their children. You work hard, you study hard, you get a job, you work even harder, <laughs> you know, you just work, 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 work. <laughs> And it was it was great that I was taught that, because I learned how to work hard, and how to work long hours, and, and, and how to push myself to that extent. And I think it just comes a point in your life, and for me it was, and my husband in our 30s, when we just looked at each other and said, you know, this isn't what we want. We're just lying to ourselves. And... It's a strange thing you get caught in, and I'm sure you can relate to this, because when you live in a country where there's so much excess, I mean, even just pulling your car over, getting a cup of coffee, you know you need to fix something on your computer, you just pull on over, you can get that. Everything's available to you. You, Salad dressing. You go down an aisle in the States with salad dressing. It's just a thousand different choices. And when you realize that, all of that just, is just too much, and, and, and it's not cultivating the happiness. Like, what do you do? Like, how do you unravel a life? How do you unravel a career? It was really challenging, and, it, and it's, hard to, it, you know, it's hard to accept it. It's hard to even admit it. Because how do you say that you're not grateful for what you have? It's, 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 a, it's a strange thing, you know, to live it's, in a great country and not be
2: grateful. I think it's the, the biggest problem. That people outside the United States have with Americans, quote unquote, is we're perceived as not being grateful for what we have, and it's just because so many of us—it was that way we were born. We don't know any different. Um, but uh, yeah, pick and salad dressing, and that's a good example, can be more complex than many whole days in in other at other speeds so to speak. You were talking about shifting gears.
1: Sure. Sure. And that's a great way to describe it. It really was a sort of shifting gears where I knew it did. there was something missing. The only way that we knew a way out of it, and this isn't the right option for everybody, but the only way I knew how to fix it was to eliminate it. I don't know if that's particularly the best way to go about doing things, but we just looked at each other like, okay, we're just going to sell it all. Or give it away and and start over. And, and I've said this before, I was the happiest in my life when I was in college. When I had, I had, well, I didn't have anything then. I mean, um, our furniture were like milk crates, you know? You just right. didn't have, I had totally. time. It's I had everything owned in totally. the back of the car. Yeah, it, and that's another thing. When, I, I would ask people this when is the last time you could move with just one carload of stuff? That was college, right? Or or teens or something like that. Bounce, yeah. Definitely not now. I mean, you know, especially as you get older and you have a house and things. And, and for us, I, I think we just needed to look back and say we were happiest when we had less. We were happiest when we had time. I, I was happy when I had time to be with my husband or that time when we just dated. I had friends. And... Because I was a happier person, I was just a better person. I was better to my family. I was better to the people around me. And I felt crushed. I felt like the weight of all the hours in the office, of of mortgages, of responsibility, I just wasn't living the life I dreamed I would. I, I would actually go to the office and in my head I would think, oh, I'm going to be a world traveler. I think I said that for years. To, on the on the road uh, on the road to work, and I wasn't a world traveler. I was telling myself that because that was always my dream. So finally, you know, uh, the rubber hits the road. We look at each other. This is it. We're going to change. And for us, it was all or none. You know, all or none.
2: Well, sometimes I think it almost has to be that way. Um, not that I want to entirely equate living in at certain speeds in certain societies as an addiction but it is almost an an adrenaline addiction because you sort of go from adrenaline shock to adrenaline shock to adrenaline shock uh you're either surprised or you're late or you're behind a wreck or you're uh, something you know sort of like stunning you every 10 seconds and um so sometimes that's about the only way it'll work. It's the only way it worked for me. I finally health issues knocked me flat on my back. And oops, now you got to stop cuz you can't move. <laughs> sure. So I think I think Costa Rica would be a far better option than that.
1: <clears throat> you know, being a chiropractor, I saw that a lot. Every my job every day was dealing with people in pain. So I knew that You can't just take time and deposit in a bank and pull it out when you're 65 and say, oh, you know, I I have 20, 30, 40 years. It it doesn't work like that. Time is a thief. It robs you of things. It robs you of your health. It robs you of, you know, agile bones. And, And I saw it every day, and it was just heartbreaking to see my patients who, you know, saved their whole life, was ready for retirement, bought the RV, and then got sick. And it happened again and again and again. And that was, you know, just part of being in the health field. You see that a lot. And it just reinforced to us that there's just no guarantee. You know, we are on borrowed time. You know, you only have the moment you are in. You don't have anything else. You don't, you know, you don't deserve anything else. This is just how life works. And I wanted to make every moment precious again. And I think that by bringing this huge adventure into my life, and go I didn't even know the language here. I mean, we just walked off a plane with our dog and cat and kind of looked at each other like, okay.
2: Well, wow, <laughs> what <think>. now? <laughs> yeah, it's a
1: little crazy, but learning those, you know, this is, by relying on people to be kind to me. This is an interesting thing that I, I've never foreseen this. I was the one who didn't know the language, Rick. I didn't know it. It, You know, in the States, it's funny. It's the shoes on the other foot. So I'm the one who is just hoping somebody's nice to be online at the grocery store. I'm the one who's just, you know, when I'm at the uh, phone company, I'm just hoping somebody can speak a little English. And time and time again, people who did not know English here and who didn't know me and nothing invested in me, you know, were just standing next to me, got on the phone and called a friend who knew English and would hand me their phone. So they could translate. And it happened so many times that I realized it's just a different culture here. They, because of Tico time, because of the one, one of the many, you know, things that could kind of frustrate you also brings kindness. And the people were more than willing to help me so many times that I started to see the world differently because I was the one now in the shoes of somebody who couldn't understand the language. It was a great lesson to learn. And like you said, we grew up in a country where you do you, you have everything. You know, you have water. You have electricity. I never went through days and days without water. Here I do. I never quite understood the importance of, you know, just you turn on the faucet and it comes out. You kind right. of think you would. You know, you see the stories in Africa and you, and you feel bad for people. But when you experience it. I can tell you for certain you are not going to be bothered by a lot of the other stuff going on, the stuff that doesn't mean anything in your life, the little spats with family or little tits for cats, because there are such more important things. And being in – this is not a third-world country. It's now a developing country. But having those moments where there's a water problem or electrical problem, I, you know, I hate to say this. In a way, it almost grounds you to some extent. Centers you on on always what's the most important. If
2: right. That makes
1: sense, you know.
2: Oh, it does. It does. And because I remember, I I, I see people, and I remember myself, uh, you know, used to. Something would, you know, the internet might go out, and you know, they might tell me it was going to be four to five hours estimated time for it to come back on, and you're stomping up and down like, oh my god, the world's going to end, you know. It, <laughs> It's the, a hard, and I need I this feeling. back on right yeah. now. You know, I. It's just, what do you mean, four hours? What? <sighs> what what why am I gonna stop my life for four hours? I don't have ten minutes. And I, you just don't hear that down there.
1: Yeah, this that instant gratification. I guarantee you, you will not get here because there's always something. You know, the the um the the the, the are never all working at one time. You know, it's like a rolling utilities. You never know what you're going to get. You know, my mother always laughs when I talk to her on the Skype. She's like, well, what's out today? Well, you know, the water's not on, or, you know, the electric's off and on, or it's the Internet, or there's no, you know, there's no TV, or there's just always something, and it just kind of rolls off you here. And when I asked uh, the Costa Ricans about that, and I'd say, well, you know, you don't understand Americans – usually for long periods of time, don't lose these utilities. And they're shocked by that. They said, well, they're not used to not having water for like two or three days. I'm like, well, maybe Hurricane Sandy. You know what I mean? Like that's a, that's a very rare event, but we're we've just always had it. And then they kind of say, oh, well, now I understand a little bit why they get so angry. Right. Uh, but, you know, you you make a good point. You know, when you come from a country that has everything, how do you really understand that? And for me, it was just popping myself in the country where where those
3: type of situations happen. That's how I did it, too, the first time. And I came back because I couldn't stay there because I have a daughter here. And, you know, I mean, you can't just abandon your child and move to a foreign land. However, the lessons that I learned in my time with the people there changed my way of looking at and interacting with the world. And it changed my way of living my own life. And within three years, I'm sitting in the mountains of Quebec in my dream home and I'm still in shock and awe some days <laughs> that I'm here because I didn't, you didn't know get much looking done for it.
2: This week, you would get up every morning and take your coffee have, out on the patio yeah. and see a new flower. Well, and that yeah, was it. You were shocked for half a day, well, which I and, think is awesome. rightly
3: so. Rightly so, because I might have done things a little differently than Nadine, but I think the, the essential basics elements are there. I looked at what I was doing in my life and said, hell no, I can't, this doesn't work. Well, what do I want? Well, this is what I want. How am I going to get it? I don't know. I'm just going to keep walking and, and and have faith that it will be <laughs> there for me. And and sure enough, you know, three years after getting my eyes wrenched open in a third world country, here I am in, you know, a home that asked me five years ago if this would be mine, I would have told you that I'd have to get a, a job that pays me at least forty thousand dollars a year, and I'd have to find the right. Like, I'm, yeah, it just was so you're, you're out of for, my realm of.
2: Your hopes for five years in the future were maybe a bigger apartment.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Maybe, maybe. It's not my dream home in the middle of Quebec. So, um, I, I think, if, if nothing else, like like you said, I, it's not maybe for everybody to to you know pack up all their stuff or to sell all their stuff and, and move, but. Certainly it can't hurt a person to get off your butt and travel and experience some of these cultures firsthand and to see what it's like because once you're immersed in it, even for two to three weeks, if you can immerse yourself, and I don't mean go to the middle of the city, don't go hang out downtown San Jose and get go partying and club every night. Yeah, get off the tour bus, get into these little villages and, and hang out in some of these eco-sustainable communities and spend three weeks there and get to know the locals and, and live on their time for a while and then come back to your real world. And I would say at least 50% of those people are going to be trying to figure out how the hell to get out of their real world and back to that other place where life was simpler. Because... I'm not going to say simple is better, but for me personally, it sure makes things a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> Just
1: You know, the, the, this, the more that I'm here and the lessons that I've learned, they're, they're, I'm surprised sometimes. This whole experience, it, it's almost like I'm going, travel brings me forward and then takes me one step back to the past. It's always wonderful back and forth motion that you step forward, you see something new, you learn something new, and then it touches something about yourself that reminds you of something perhaps in the past or or that you've been through or or your family. And and it's, it's this incredible feeling I get when I'm in a situation, and even if I don't understand what anybody's saying, I am so... So familiar with it, it's it's an interesting thing that travel can do, and I think it's one of the things that's so splendid about it, and why it makes people so happy. It's it's I used to think it was just the shock of the new, the the, you know your senses are are so open to all these new experiences. I I actually think it's deeper than that. I think you subliminally touch upon things that remind you of the past. And uh, I'm seeing that more and more now. I've been here six years, and I'm realizing the connection
3: more and more. Well, if you don't mind me asking, why why did you choose Costa Rica? I'm, I don't, I don't particularly I mean, not have the, that I'm, the, not that the, I. The, the really great answer for that. <laughs> so
1: did, funny that. Y'all
2: threw darts at a map, or
1: <laughs> almost pretty much. It we looked it into. I mean, we did this. When we were thirty seven, so we did not have a lot of money, and we we looked all over, and we said, okay, everybody goes to the Caribbean. Very expensive to live in the Caribbean, so that was out for a number of reasons, um, plus hurricanes and things, and and um, my husband had a patient. And my husband's like, you know, I have this crazy idea I'm thinking about just selling it all all off. And the patient said, well, what about Costa Rica? Oh, okay. Well, you know, okay. And my husband just came home and said, we're buying two tickets to Costa Rica. Pretty much that was it. And we went. And when I saw the country and I saw how beautiful it was and, you know, it was a small, a pinhole vision. It was not this huge, this is how my life is going to be. It was a pinhole vision of what my life might be, might be if I was brave enough to walk out of that office. Just a pinhole vision. And it was almost like I held my breath through all of it until we came here. And then the rest is just, you know, and then everything unfolded after that. But I did not have a grand master plan. Everybody asks me that. They think, you know, I I had it all lined up. I didn't. We did not study this country, you know, for years and research everything. We wanted out. We wanted out. And we were going to do it. And that was it.
2: I think that's almost better sometimes because the research and the homework can give you 10,000 reasons why it's a bad idea.
1: I look back. I think, how did I do that? I, I, exactly what you said. How did I do it? I didn't know how to buy a car. I didn't know how to get my driver's license. I didn't know how to get residency. I didn't know anything. I, I think back. It was such like a seventeen-year-old kid kind of move, you know, where <laughs> you borrow your father's car and it crashed or something, you know. It's just like, I'm <laughs> going
2: backpacking through Europe.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You know, we, you know, I got twenty-two dollars in my pocket, kind of idea. So, right. but, but, like you said, you know. We are, you know, the developed world is just full of anxiety. You know, we medicate ourselves to get rid of our anxiety. We have so much of it. This is overwhelming when you think too hard about it. And I don't want to ever tell my story and want people to do what I did. I want them to do what's right for them. Because there's a lot involved, and you have to look at your life, and look at your finances, and look at your family, and look at your children, and everybody has a different story. This just happens to be my story. And I'm an incredibly anxious person, completely neurotic. And if I would have sat and said, okay, I'm going to give us three years, forget it. It would never have happened.
3: I don't think I I could have done it. And And that's what I mean when I say, like, it might not work for everybody, but... I think your first step is is looking at your life and deciding whether or not you're happy, and if you're not, then take your next step. Take a step. Take a step. step. I don't care what your step is.
2: That get up and go, go to go work down again. To the freaking, it's going to be just you know, like it was before.
1: Yeah, it's, go it's, down, that's buy some, some paint, and part. paint
3: on a canvas.
1: Yeah, if so it, if it's, exactly, it's exactly what you're saying. That part of it of admitting. And looking at me, my husband and I looking at each other and admitting to ourselves that this life, which I was grateful for, I'm so happy that I had that experience, that I owned a business, all these wonderful things. I honor it now. I really honestly do. I honor what that part of my life was. But we needed to end it. (laughs) We needed to say, it's either, and honestly, it was either we're going to do this or we're going to be in this office for the next 25 years. We need to decide right now. And it was the smartest thing we did because in a month after we sold our house, the economy tanked. It was that close, a sliver of a difference of us going and us not. So and who would have saw that coming? You know, I mean, that whole thing that happened in 2007. Well, my, my husband did. My husband said, this is crazy, you know. Look at all these houses; everything's worth too much. It's just—it's not going to work. Like he—he he had this premonition that things were going bad, and you know
2: what? Well, a lot of people did, but the, 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 there were so many pundits that were out there that were telling you it was fine. hmm and and,
1: and and I don't mean to interrupt, but what was interesting was we had patients, and that year, so many were already for closing. And I remember we would go home and we would say, you know, you know, Thelma's closing, foreclosing on her house. Ha- really, I have another patient foreclosing. You know, before it all came out, like we started to see the the little ripple of what was starting to happen before. Like you said, everybody's telling you it's okay when you see the undercurrent happening.
2: But even so, it wasn't like you said, okay, this is going on, so we got to get out. You just, it was really more the, we're not happy. I think there's a lot in that admission because. Many people would say, well, you had patients and you had businesses and you're obviously, you know, uh, this is the American dream. You should be grateful. Hundreds of people want your position. Sure. And all that kind and not, of only, not
3: only should you be grateful, but there's this perception that we should be, we should fight for our happiness. So if I'm not happy in the life that I've made for myself, and let's face it, we all make our own life. That's the way it is. So whether or not I'm happy in it, it's not anybody else's fault. It's my own. I built it. There it is. So at the end of the day, I mean, it boils down to you're looking at your life. I built this. I have to fight for it. Mm -hmm. I have to make it work. I have to find a way to make this work. Why am I not happy? There must be something wrong with me. me. Mm -hmm. There has to be something wrong with me that I'm not happy and and that really, yeah, that really totally screws people up because they're sitting there fighting for something that their heart is telling them just isn't right for them, but that society and family and all this other stuff has has kind of shoved down their throat that yes, this is right for you because it was right for us, so why can't it be right for you? Kind of thing, and so we grow up believing that a certain way is 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 good. For us, but it, we're not all the same. We're all different.
2: It we're all made
3: me, up differently.
2: It reminds me of a television commercial that I saw. I, I don't have a TV now, and I haven't for a couple of years. But uh, there was this fella, and he was like showing off his life. He was like, you know, see my car. And, you know, here's my country club, and and this is my beautiful house. And he's riding on his riding lawnmower. You know, and there's a beautiful lawn, and 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 then. All of a sudden, it cuts close to his face. He's looking right in the camera. He says, "And I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. <laughs> Somebody help me!" And it, it really can be like that, where you're you're almost crushed under the weight of your own life.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And it does feel like you're walking around with cement shoes. You know, it feels so heavy, and you you, you tend to stay in a comfort zone. Where you know you have your little bubble around you, and you're and you just don't feel like you have the strength to change it, or or you're just confused on how to change it. And like I said, I, I'm not sure if I would have done it if I said five more years. I think it was the perfect time for us, and it was the it was the right moment. And I just held my breath, and I held my husband's hand, and I just hoped for the best. And um, well, it got pretty good. <laughs> I have to say, I can't complain. I didn't know it would be just this great of an experience.
2: All right. Well, don't everybody speak all at once.
3: Um, <laughs> Sorry, I had to mute because the dog started barking at some ducks. So I
2: <laughs> we try to figure out when the other one's going to do that, but we don't always make the connection. But, um
1: Because I'll just keep talking. You must interrupt me. Because I'll just blah blah blah. blah.
2: Uh, That's really what it's what it's about. But Mm. it it, it's so very true. I was fortunate enough to travel uh, when I was a teenager, uh, or early teens, with my folks. And fortunately, my parents were the sort that my father would run a car and drive through the countryside rather than go on some tour. And so you know, there you are in the countryside and. France or somewhere and you're on the side of the road with a map on the hood, and you don't know what's going on, and the people that are trying to help you don't speak English. And But you figure it out. And um, uh, it, it really changes that whole, you know, I, I hear people all the time, and, and even in articles sometimes on the Internet of, you know, well, don't worry, there's people that speak English everywhere you go. And it's like the only Americans have I ever run into that expect everybody to speak English when they come here to our country, which I'm not sure that that's realistic either, but maybe, maybe. But then they expect people to speak English everywhere else when we go there. It's like, now, wait a minute. Which way is it? Do they have to learn the language of the country they're coming to? Or they say, well, but English is different. <clears throat> what?
1: I try to, you know, I I try to give people a lot of slack when they come here because to some extent there is just fear in people's eyes when they travel. You know, it's just bug-eyed, oh, you know, they got off the plane and they don't feel well or whatever. You see them all get stuck in the shuttle bus and down the bumpy road and they get to where they are and they're, they're kind of just, you know, some people do well with that. Some people don't and... When they act a little funny like that with the English, saying, why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? And I, I, I tend to give them a little more compassion when I speak with them and try to calm them down a little bit and just, you know, try to get them off. It's almost like a broken record, you know, like, okay, okay, just just look around you and look where you are and look how beautiful it is, you know, and, and let's not stay focused on that. But, but tr- you know, and I hate to say traveling is just not for everybody. You know, it really isn't. It's a struggle to get to places, you know, whether it's planes or buses. or something. And it's, for some people, it just isn't their thing. And it's, a, it's horrible to find out it's not your thing after you were just on a six-hour flight.
2: Not the best time. <laughs> no, it's not
1: the best time in a foreign country. And they just said the hotel has no water. I mean, I've seen people flip out, just flip out. I mean, there's people who went back on a plane two days later to go back home. So you know it's it's i'm I'm very delicate when people email me and they want to do things that I do and you know because it it's it's just what I did, and I don't want to put that on anybody else and of course their um results may vary it just won't it won't be the same Absolutely. experience for them, and you always have to remember that uh travel's just you know it's 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 a dicey experience for people
2: there's more risk and chance in it it's To some extent, this, you know, you get used to and you fight for, it's the choosing familiar suffering over the unknown, because the unknown might be worse, or some twisted logic like that. It's like, you know, this kind of sucks, my life, yeah, it kind of sucks, but I'm supposed to like it, and that, I don't know, what'll happen down there. There could be scorpions in the bed or something.
1: But it's like I I try to bring it out. Like they're so close to enjoying themselves. You know, like my husband always has this great saying, people don't know what makes them happy. They just don't. And it's kind of funny when you come across something that does you never knew before. So it's, I see them and they're they so close to being happy. And I'm like, oh, hang on, you know, hang on one more day. If you're going to have the breakthrough, you're going to see it. You're going to feel it. This is, this is good that you did this. You know, it's good that you broke free and you're doing something different. If you can just let it organically happen and allow yourself. And I wrote in my, my first book how this whole experience and coming here and, and getting out of that rat race was really a lot about, Giving myself permission to be happy. Honestly, I, I think there's some extent I took that away. I said no. It's this rat race. It's this way. It's it's the practice. It's the business, and I forgot all about that other part of me. So it's it, when people are here, I just I just want to tell them: give yourself permission to allow all these fun things to happen. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But you know, I
2: try. Well, it does. We get to we define. <laughs> you know what's success you know and i've never really quite understood what success was but um it, it it we get these definitions and so if something doesn't fit that you know well that can't make you happy but sometimes it can often it does but if if you've defined that that can't you don't even look you like turn your head
1: it's an interesting thing here, where it's an even playing field to some extent. You need your refrigerator fixed. You need the guy to get to your house. You can tell him you're paying him triple. He's still not showing up. It's an odd thing, you know. It's just, it's, it's, it's. I don't want to say money's not a motivating factor for people in business here, but you would be surprised how when you're willing to pay more, I I need this fixed. Please come today. They're like, mm, mañana. Or maybe the day after that or the day after that. So it's interesting for people who may have, you know, uh, $50 million and they live here. And they are fi- – in fact, this is a funny story. I was sitting in an area and there was a woman who – her and her husband were actual billionaires, real live billionaires in the flesh. And she was talking to somebody and she was angry because her house just got built and – um they didn't install the propane tank to her stove. Now, all the, all the stoves here are usually electric. Okay, There's no gas lines here. So if you want a gas stove, you need a propane tank. That kind of complicates things. So most people just have an electric stove. But, of course, she's a billionaire. She wants a propane tank. So they didn't install the protein, propane tank, but they installed the stove. And she is so furious. She told the guy to go get it. He said No. He said, "If you go get, if you get it, he said, I'll install it for you." And she was befuddled. The look on her face—she didn't know what, what to do. Call the police, you know? Call EMT? She just was so out of her mind with aggravation. And I'm looking at her, and I feel for her. It's also quite obvious I'm happier than her at this moment. I don't have to worry about any sort of propane tank or anything, and. It was. I we mean, laughed, my husband and I. It's like, wow, isn't that a perfect example? I mean, she has more money to last a million lifetimes, and she can't get her darn propane tank, right? Unless she gets it herself. So, um, it, wow, when, there's a lot of that here. And even scale down that example to my, you know, my, my uh, finances. Okay, maybe I could. Pay, I'll pay the refrigerator guy another twenty dollars. Please fix my refrigerator. It still won't come. So that really makes you uh, a much more patient person, and and be grateful for things you have because the way of the, the world of what you knew is so different here. The rules that uh, it can, it can make it really interesting, and if you if you have a good sense of humor, it's a really funny place to live.
2: Well, and. I think that it's wonderful to be able to notice those things because, like you said, you you felt for her. I you know, I I sorta of kind of foggily remember being like that. <laughs> in one oh
1: time. I was exactly like that. I I was irritable. And, oh,
4: you know that's oh, why I that's,
2: Yeah, I I think of things literally here, you know, like the pizza's gonna be an hour, not thirty minutes. What? I'll call somebody else. <laughs> Really?
1: (laughs) Um, I'm taking my business elsewhere, you know, one of those things. And it's funny because, you know, and and that's another lesson learned here. I just judge people a whole lot less because these people are just like I was when I was in the office. Short, you know, with people, unkind at moments, stressed out, rattled. And, you know, so she's a billionaire. I don't know what's going on in this lady's life. For all I know, she had a horrible life. You know what I mean? Like you don't don't tend to judge people like you would have. I, I, before I moved here, I'm just a, you know, I'm just a nicer person, just kinder. I really am. i i so much more than I ever was, just because by by taking it down a notch, and and getting out of the traffic, and the attitudes, and everything else around you, which just makes you have an attitude. You know, you you tend to just look at things, you know, clearer. And my husband is such a nicer guy, you know, than I, a nicer person than I ever was. And he's so much, he's so optimistic. And, you know, he's always, you know, trying to help somebody or, you know, a dollar out of his pocket. for if somebody's, you know, at the corner begging, you know, he's always so generous. And it's, it's just so nice to finally, for me to get to that point, you know. I just had to move how many miles to do it? <laughs> <laughs> me,
4: you know, I could have just you know no, that, it,
1: and I, you know just said oh I'm just gonna be nice today. It didn't work that way for me. Yeah, it took a little little
2: more, a little more time for me. I, well, and it can, and it you know it, and there's ways to do it where you know people could come to Costa Rica and never experience that. Uh, you know, Hawaii comes to mind. When you live there, it's you know Hawaii time the guy repair guy says he'll be there tomorrow well yeah maybe maybe the next day you know and nobody gets upset about it really cuz there isn't any point cuz they're not going to come any faster there's nothing mm-hmm. you can do like you say you could have millions of dollars it doesn't matter they're not he's coming when he's coming and uh but you can go and stay on Waikiki Beach in a big fancy hotel where people will break their neck trying to you know get done what you want done instantly and, and never experienced that. So you do, you have to take the time and the, to, to have a breath and, 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 and really sort of get pulled up short. I, I did. Um, and, um, uh, and that was some years ago. And then I had to have it happen again. <laughs> and, uh, cause I kind of forgot.
1: And it's easy to forget. When I go back to the States and I visit family, I can get wrapped up in it again. It, it's easy to when, and this is New Jersey, and there's a lot of traffic, and there's, it's all concrete. I mean, you know, it's hardly a tree anywhere. And you just kind of get wrapped up in that type of fast pace. I'm stopping at Starbucks, waiting in line. I don't know where the money goes, to be honest with you. I am like I am fifty dollars short on like a ten minute car ride every time I go see my sister. Like between my parents' house and my sister's house, <laughs> I can like stop for you know Dunkin' Donuts coffee or you know I just
3: it's like how did I
1: lose my money? Like where's my money going? Like it just but it's a kind of a way of life there. A kind of fast pace. It's all here, stop and go, and it's and I'm exhausted by the end of those couple of weeks that I'm there. I'm literally just exhausted, and I'm ready to come back because I can identify it now. I think before I really couldn't. I couldn't really define what was happening to me, but now I understand. You know, when I tell my sister, I can't go to the mall with you. I swear, I it will kill me. It will kill me. I can't be around those crowds. You know, oh, I, I just it, finally. I
3: just, yeah, it's like <laughs> another lady. I knew another I lady do. like me. Uh,
1: and malls I malls
3: drive nuts. I love clothes. I
1: I shoes and clothes and all of it. I don't have any of it anymore because I'm I'm here. But you know, I, I it's weird. I loved it, but it made me miserable at the same time. These these big stores and big malls and lots of people, and I just thought I was just cranky, but I realized. I needed to live a different kind of life. Like my body really needed trees and birds and nature. And then we were talking about the sound of the birds in the morning. That's really important. I mean, that is like incredibly important. That's like nature's ambient. There would be no uh, of these medications on the market if we just had enough wildlife anymore that we can enjoy and sit and watch and you know, it it's 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 crazy how we are destroying so much of the things that will sustain us. And uh I see it now, I feel it now, and now I can identify it and I could say, okay, well I'm going back to Coastry, I get to go back to this wonderful little life that I have. Um I don't think I could have defined it before. I really don't Well it
2: is hard yeah, I, and I I, I, I I know that the all these people, with myself uh, included, with the, I just can't meditate. Sit them down somewhere out, with to, surrounded by the cicadas, and just make them sit. They don't have to close their eyes. They don't have to do anything. They'll be meditating pretty quick, as long as they don't have something else to do with themselves, like their smartphone. <clears throat> mm-hmm.
1: See how, how that's challenging. Now it's even super challenging for people, and and you know it's funny because. I smartphones are starting to happen here. I'm starting to see more iPhones, which you didn't do before because they're very expensive and and the way you have to unlock a phone here and get and get cell service is a little different. But I'm starting to see that now. But my phone looks like a Fisher price phone. You would laugh. It just functions to make a call more or less. I mean, that's about it. And so I'm not a big texter. But it's shocking for me and, and I know this is this is ridiculous because texting has been going on for years. But you have to remember, I moved here in 2007, so I'm kind of missed the whole smartphone thing. I'm not real, you know. I didn't even know what an app was, you know, until like a year or so. I can, my sister's trying to explain to me what apps were. I'm like, but I don't get it, you know. But it, it, so I'm a little behind the times. But when I go home, and everybody, I, I'll have friends who have not seen me in 20 years, and they'll text at dinner. And I'm shocked. And my sister keeps saying, no, you don't understand. You have to start getting used to this because, unfortunately, this is what things are like. And I just feel so robbed. I'm not even upset they're not paying attention to me. I just feel robbed of the interaction and how great it could have been. And, and uh, that is very challenging for me now to, to, get, you know, to go places and, and try to have fun with people and constantly having that interruption.
3: That really stinks. It really does. It really does. And I think that, you know what, I, I think it's it's really on the shoulders of us freaking individuals that live in those countries to set some rules and boundaries for ourselves to preserve that interaction. You know, my, my husband is dead set on you don't bring a phone to the table ever in our house, ever. <laughs> it, it could wind up getting thrown off the balcony and into the bush. <laughs> do that it just doesn't happen um because w- what you're saying is such a valid point you know and and i probably one of the biggest shocks for me when i when i made that first trip and it it was to the philippines was the family values were unlike anything i'd ever experienced before the way that they supported and assisted and helped one another, Um, you know, I mean, this is a country where it doesn't have a social medical system or social welfare system or, well, what happens if, if, you know, your brother gets injured and his wife suddenly can't buy food because her husband can't go to work, you know, well, well, they come live with us or we bring them food or we cook them food or... Um, you, you know, you, it's just – it's a different way of living. And you don't sit down for a family meal and start pulling out your phone and having conversations. And you're right. It's it's rampant. It's rampant in the States. It's rampant in Canada. You know, I I see it all the time in the store. I, I do it. And, and I catch myself doing it. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? If I'm standing in line and I'm about to pay for something – and i'm on the phone and the checkout lady says hello that to me is one of the rudest things i could possibly do to somebody who's standing behind the counter trying to do her job what and is the first thing i'm sorry that's okay no well i just i i just think it's kind of on our shoulders to be conscious of it you know what I mean? And and to put ourselves in the other position, how would you feel if you were behind the counter trying to take care of this person and they were ignoring you because whoever is on the phone, sending them a text is mm-hmm. so much more important?
1: One of the first things I realized,
3: it was a very, it was the, the first trip we
1: came here and we had to go to the bank and going to a bank here can be just your whole day. I mean, it is nothing like in the States. So I walk in and you're, there's all these plastic chairs and it's like, And you just move down the seat when the next person goes up. So it's like the wave at a football game, up, down, up, down, up, down. It's hours of this, up, down, you know, from one road to the next. And, while I'm sitting there, and, of course, I'm annoyed. This is my first time I'm ever in a bank that takes three hours to do a basic transaction. So I'm sitting there, and there's a sign uh, above me, and it's pictures, and it's telling basically who gets to go first if they walk in. An elderly person, a person with a disability, a woman who is pregnant, or and a woman with small children. So I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay, that's. In, and then some guy who looked like lightning hit his head. I don't even know what that is, and I still don't know what that is. So maybe if you get hit by lightning, you get to go ahead. I, I have no idea what that caricature was. But I'm sitting there, and older people would come in. They go in front of everybody. We're sitting there for hours, okay? Just hours. And the older lady just goes right up to the front. Nobody, you know, rolls their eyes. Nobody goes, you know, any of that kind of thing. Pregnant ladies come in. Now, you can imagine how much longer this makes the process, okay? It's like, it's just incredible. And everybody just sat there. And afterwards, I thought, isn't that incredible that you allow people who are unable to wait this long period of time, like you can because you're a healthy person, that they're able to go in front, that this is a culture of people who allow this. Now, could you imagine in the bank, come on, in the States, and it's lunch hour and you got to get your transaction done, and uh, uh, you know, 20 older ladies got off a bus and they go ahead of you? Oh my gosh, they'd get tackled. They could tackle straight to the ground, so it's like it's different, you know. And I, I liked it. I was like, you know, this is for me. This is like a little bit of respect that you're showing other people, and and uh, I, I think I want to live here. It was very small things like that, tiny things that were really growing on me. That I saw this is a different way to interact. And I'm not saying they don't text here and they're starting to do that more. And I think maybe it bothers me a lot because I probably would be doing the same thing. You know, like maybe that's a thing. When I look at it, I'm like, well, you know, if I could do it better, maybe I'd be just as addicted to it as other people. But it really is nice to go back to having that type of friendship with people. And, and, oh, and another thing that's interesting, a lot of people don't go out to eat as much here. You eat at their home. I like that. You know, I like that people just have dinner in their home.
2: Yeah, they don't invite yeah, you to no. a restaurant, they invite you to their house.
1: I mean, is that the same way where you are? Or do you usually just go to, a, you know, out to eat, get a
3: bite to eat with somebody? Um, you know what? We don't <laughs> our life has changed so much since we moved out of the city. It's not even the way we live now. We're we're so I I I maybe kind of you'll understand this I think you will out of all the people we've talked to recently you'll understand this probably the most we're really protective of this space and you know for that reason we don't go out to eat Um, and right at the moment we don't very often have anybody in either because our peace is really important to us and quite frankly we just don't want to play the personal politics games of the family and all that stuff so um but yeah i noticed the other day when i was driving home from somewhere i noticed that on this road when i know some of the people that live here now because we've been here long enough sunday dinner is still a very big thing around here sunday night there are driveways that are full of cars and they're still doing the Sunday family dinner here. And I love that. I love that people and, – and here, like, the corner store is closed on mm. Sunday. It's, you, you know, it's it's a family-run business, so it's it's closed on Sunday. You can't get milk on Sunday. You better buy it on Saturday or else you're screwed kind of thing. <laughs> you know, no milk for you, for your coffee. <laughs> um, it's the, the lady that lives two lanes down, farms down, lots down. I don't even know um she she has a a community chicken coop so she keeps the chickens and everybody throws in to pay for the feed and and to buy the chickens at the beginning of the year and to pay for the end of the year slaughter and um, she keeps the chickens all year and they come and get their eggs there's communal gardens and they trade vegetables back and forth. This person does really good that and that person does really good that, you know, our our neighbor plows our, our driveway and, you know, we just trade work. My husband goes and works in the bush with him and in, in exchange for him plowing our driveway in the winter. It's, it's a, it's just different. It's a different way of living. Um, And, and I'm so protective of it that I avoid, I, I literally, I haven't been back to the city for a year um, I was just talking to a friend last night actually, who asked me, when, when's the last time you were back in Toronto? And I was like, wow, it's been, holy crap, it's been a year almost. Um, and and I'm really happy with that. I don't miss it at all. <laughs> I
4: don't, but-
3: don't want to deal with the traffic. I don't want to deal with the tension. I don't want to deal with the stress. Even in the small towns around here, yes, there's some bigger towns and you know, there's, it's kind of a resort community, so there are resort areas. But even even in those places the pace is so much slower so much slower people you know open doors for the elderly and and there's not a sign telling us that the elderly should go ahead of us but i see it here a lot where if there's an older person in the line you just let them go go cash do your thing and and i'll wait cuz
2: because I can you
3: should yeah well exactly well it's it, just it, it, it,
2: you, you know you bring up a really good point about the sharing the vegetables and sharing the the you know this one grows that one good and the neighbor plows the driveway so we help him do that and it's you go into one of these cul-de-sacs up north here in the states in a city and there's say ten houses on the one block in the cul-de-sac so there's going to be ten snowblowers back there maybe 11 because somebody bought a new one and they haven't got rid of their old one yet. When really, you know, one or two, you could do the whole place in a morning, you know? And that's where this overconsumption, in my opinion, comes from is needless stuff like that. Um, you know, everybody got to get a new lawnmower because Bob got a new lawnmower. So we're all going to get new ones now that are bigger and put more powerful and, Yadda, yadda, yadda. We now need
1: to have lawnmowers here.
3: Pay
2: <laughs> bob,
1: you
3: know. the, bob 20 bucks and rent the lawnmower. You know, like, I mean, it just, it, to me, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And now looking back on and having done that for so long. I mean, I really, I did that for so long. And now I look back on it. It is such an illogical cold way to live and, and it's weird for me to look at it and go wow, you know, I was proud, proud for years, in fact I bragged about it for years that one of the jobs, the job that I did was in the top five considered by physicians to be the top one of the top five most stressful jobs in the country to do I was proud of that, and
2: you thought that was cool that
3: insane. safe, I thought that <laughs> the insanity level of that is just it's not even fathomable like and, and now I look at that and go wow how twisted was I to think that that was a cool I did think that was cool I was proud of it and look at me I'm still okay with my 20 bottles of pills and my screwed up back and my everything else yeah I'm great I'm doing fine can I have another beer you know <laughs> I mean? it's it's but I and and but it was normal and it was okay and and it was well and obviously it, it wasn't okay because I'm sitting here now doing this because so this is what I do and paint and write books
2: the, the and live in the bush the things that people want to be scared of they'll make them a list for Costa Rica oh they got they got monkeys down there monkeys monkeys can be mean and and. Panthers. There's there's wild cats, and and you know well, I mean uh, Rosemary's pretty much in the middle of nowhere, and she's seen one in seven years, at a distance. Yeah,
1: yeah You could do, do the fear. You know, you could do the fear card very easily.
2: You know, anywhere. I you
1: mentioned the
3: it, big, big scary bugs that every, You know, I mean, oh, the bugs are so huge. Well, yeah, but they sit there and they let you pet them. I pet. <laughs> Like four different big massive... we got video insects, we have video of me petting these big, massive, scary insects. what well, well, down, down here oh my God, yeah. and that is the truth. It is just, really just a
1: buggy move. country, but like I tell people who complain about that, the bugs give me the flowers. The flowers give me the trees. The trees give me the monkeys. I mean, it's all connected. You know, I can't, you know, just it, it, damn this poor scorpion. You know, it's 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 all part of it, you know, and, and it's it could all be good and beautiful, but you have to have, you know, your mind set on, okay, I'm not going to flip out every time I see
3: a bug. Well, that's, what I, that's why I pet them and we filmed me petting them because, you know, in, in my head I'm thinking, well, here's an argument for not being scared. Because here, this thing's just sitting there. It's not trying to attack. I'm touching it. I'm petting it. And it's not trying to bite me. It's not trying to run away. It's not trying to attack me. It's just chilling. It's just being a bug. And it's doing what it does. And, and you know, I'm not threatening it. It's not threatening me. Everything's fine. Well, it belongs here. For the most here.
2: part, they don't want anything to do with us. Maybe our light bulbs, they like those. But they don't it's really a, want anything to do no. with you.
3: For as many things that can kill you here,
1: you know, they're not looking for you. They 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 really aren't. The first week I, I moved here, I uh, had my hair dryer on the counter. And, I, you know, I washed my hair and I I flipped it over to dry it, you know, like women do. They flip their hair over and I turn the hair dryer on. And I blow and dry my hair and I feel things in my hair, chunks of things. Like, what in the world? And I pick my head up and it's little charred tarantula bits. The tarantula crawled in my hair dryer to just hang out. And I turned it on, and I incinerated him. And I flew tarantula chunks. all <laughs> over my hair. And I screamed. I screamed like, like a monkey with a machete within the bathroom. My husband came running in. He's like, well, I can't even explain to him. Like, it's just chunks. And, and you know, he thinks I'm crazy. And then my husband shakes his whole head. Oh so we he knows know
4: hilarious.
1: about his hair. And I was just, it was it was really at that moment I had to make a decision, you know, it, 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 I better deal with this, you know, and not go crazy. And that was the worst. That was the worst thing. My husband got bit by a really big, that was funny, I wrote about that in the second book, a really big scorpion. He said to me, oh, well, I need something." I said, "Oh, it's in my pocketbook downstairs." Comes back up. He goes, "It's it, it's it's not in your pocketbook." I go, "Here yeah, it is. It's in the black one." He goes, "No, I I went into the 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 the, the beige one on the door, and I put my hand in, and something bit me." Now I knew I didn't use that pocketbook in like ten months. That means it was sitting there. Uh, hanging on a door for ten, I don't know what's in that at that point, and that's what you learn fairly quickly in Costa Rica, that it's like the what was that movie with Robin Williams Umunji, is that what that game was where they roll the dice? Yeah, That is what happens to a room in two weeks, if you don't go in there and clean it out, that is how quickly like bugs and things happen he reached in he said, now I, you know, I don't know, something stung me and I'm like, oh brother, I wonder what it is, and as he's standing there talking to me a scorpion, we're talking about a Clash of the Titans scorpion, came crawling out <laughs> from down his back, onto his, the front on his t-shirt, and I still can't even warn him, because I am so shocked and uh, just amazed how huge that this, uh, it, it's unbelievable, it was the biggest scorpion I've ever seen in my life. And finally he sees it, and he, he smacks it off him, and it goes to the ground, and you know, he splats it just because it came at him again. Usually we, we, we kick him out. And then what happened, he says, I don't know, my mouth is getting numb.
3: So I look it up.
1: It's like a really bad side effect from a scorpion bite. They usually don't hurt you. You know, it's just like a sting. But uh, it was like listed like, you know, the horrible anaphyletic shock of things. And the Next symptom was like death. Needless to say, he survived. But these are the things that happen down here. There are these type of bugs and there are these funny things. And now we laugh about it because it was so crazy. But uh, I think, yeah, that oh, oh, this is great. This is really funny. There was a spider downstairs, and my husband said, get the camera. Take a picture of it. Get closer. I am so close to this spider from face to face. So this is great. I'll put it up on Facebook. I put the spider up on Facebook. Somebody writes back, you you better be careful. That's a banana spider. It'll kill you. I'm like, what in the world? My husband just told me to get my face right up to it and take a picture of it. I was like, it's a <laughs> So I'm like, okay, calm down. i I I'm like, not can't, can't be a deadly spider in my bedroom. So I look it up, and it didn't have red fangs, so it wouldn't kill you. But if you got bit, you would end up with painful erections, believe it or not. That is a horrible side effect. So needless <laughs> to say, my husband cleaned the whole house. Top about <laughs> There were no more of these spiders anywhere in this house. Because it was interesting, that, that was Wait. that one... So not that, see, he got hit with a scorpion. You know, the horrible, swollen mouth, numb thing. That was okay. That, you know, having
3: to face something like that, he cleaned the whole house. The whole thing.
4: <laughs> so that
1: happens when you live here. What <laughs> does that oh, right well. here look
3: like so that us women can, you know, use that <laughs> in the future? <laughs> <laughs> Stop the, <blog. laughs> the com. It's great because that was the
1: one thing, like, the men all responded to. Oh, my God! You know, like...
2: <laughs> not <laughs> that... <laughs>
1: Oh my God! Get rid of those spiders. Clean the house. Exterminate. Holy smokes! But weird uh, here, here. There's weird bugs. You know, weird fruit. And uh, yeah, but it's funny. You know, you have a good sense of humor. It all just turns out to be a funny story.
2: So, oh, Rick, make yeah. sure you look that up, Rick. You're coming back. To- that's that's like Rosemary. She's like, you know, yeah, I've been, you know, here 7 years. I've seen one panther, I've got bit by one scorpion, I've, I've seen two snakes. I've what? It's, you know, I've seen eight poisonous snakes at my apartment complex since I've lived here and that's 3 years. So, but it,
1: know. You, you wanna, it's everywhere. Like, yeah, you want to impress people. Like you, I always want to give them a story, you know, that makes them go like, oh, rah!" And then you meet somebody, you know, who just like always comes across pit vipers, you know. I'm like, oh, big deal. You know, I have a whole family of them living in my backyard. So so yeah, relative. Yeah. it's all relatives.
2: Yeah. So that's <laughs> what the family of pit vipers said. It's all relatives. Oh.
4: Oh. I can't
1: wait to come back, Rick. I think you're gonna just have a great time, and um, and uh, hey, maybe uh, maybe
3: you won't take the flight back home. Maybe you'll stay for good. Oh, oh yeah. That's why he's going. That's why he's going. It's just last. He's, he's oh yeah, trip.
2: I'm not coming on vacation. I've been. We we were there for a week to do you know, EC on the road and stuff. No, no, I'm moving.
4: Oh wow! How are you shipping? That's everything? the
2: only only reason it's taken six weeks is, is I got rid of all this stuff I own.
1: You sell most things. I'm going to
2: sell most everything. Uh, I'll bring my electronics because that's that for what we do for a living. And um, and I also I also was a uh, uh, among many things in my history. I was a computer tech. And um, I've already inquired, and there there is a computer tech around there that, will, you know, if you get a virus or something. But nine times out of ten, the computer's worse when he brings it back than when you took it. So <clears throat> I, I figure I can pick up $2 here and there. Um, so I'll take my little tool bag, my computer, mm-hmm. my dog, and me. And uh, But, yeah, selling the car, selling I, I'm out of here. But the uh, adventure begin. Well, I've I've known for probably two years now that this is not where I was going to be, but the next place, which doesn't necessarily mean forever, but the next place it just hadn't shown up yet, and then it showed up, and uh, I mean the whole thing was odd. We had like nine days notice, um, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and I think we spent like two of the two two of that kind of hemming and hawing a little bit. But it was pretty much the, you know, I'm on the phone. So I go, well, Gene, do you see any reason that we don't just pick up and go next week? It's like, no. And I said, well, then we got to go. Here we go. and uh, But we've kind of gotten used to that. And I think people don't sometimes believe us when we talk about the fact that we don't really schedule. Yes, we put guests on the calendar. But we don't line up (laughs) with a comment or any of that stuff. That George does all that, and uh, uh, and they're like, you know, well, don't you ever? We've been down to where we don't have guests for the following week, and and we don't freak out, and you know, it's just they show up, and always, always, and it's it's something that you, it's a it's a skill that's helpful if you want to live on this planet because. Things are goofy, (laughs) whether in Costa Rica or up here. You know, was goofy down there. Was a tarantula came out of my hair dryer. Was goofy up here. Was you know I was under stress and adrenaline fatigue twenty four (sighs) seven.
1: And I can't say realistically. I mean, when the tarantula chunks were in my hair, was it really the worst day I ever had compared to the office? I would really take the tarantula chunks over a day in the office. So you know, once I was able to you know really recognize that, and I'm like, I could I can handle anything here because honestly, everything, no matter how how you know it's it's difficult. Some things were where you can get your residency and cars, buying a car and all that kind of jazz. It's it was still always better than a day in the office. So when I looked at it like that. It, it 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 was you know it was it it, it was such a fun ride. And the first book was so much fun to write because it was all those raw experiences of, of just being so new to the country. And the second book was fun to write because it chronicled all the crazy things that happened from, you know, the first book hitting. So it's all just, it's just, it's just so wonderful, all the things that happened. Just because I just said, we're going to do it. My husband and I just said, let's, you know. I don't care what anybody else says. We're just going to believe in ourselves and and change our life. And and who would have known? And you, you know, I wish you all the success too, Rick. I mean, I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of really good stories that are going to be coming from you. <laughs> really good ones. Like the best
3: ones are going to come. You know.
2: <laughs> oh no, I'm looking forward to it. I I um uh, I've sort of been in and out and back in again. This whole rushed American lifestyle, because I went off to college in in Kerrville, Texas, off in the Texas Hill Country, and um, it's not so much like that now, Uh, I've been, my parents retired there, and uh, my dad still lives there, and you know, they have Starbucks and Chili's and all kind of stuff now, but when I was there, we didn't have any of that, there was a Sears catalog outlet, you know, and you could get something probably within a month. And, um, so you just, you got used to it. And when I first went to school up there, I did, I left every weekend and came back to Houston because, oh my God, they roll up the sidewalks at 8 PM. These people are insane. And, um, but by my second year there, you couldn't hardly get me to come back to Houston. In fact, I didn't, that second year, I didn't come home for the summer. I stayed in Kerrville. Um, and, uh, but finally one thing led to another and I wound up back in the city again, and, you know, out of the job, got to stay, you know, or, oh, yeah, screw it. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, 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 to some extent, there really is this thing that goes on that I got to get up and go to work so that I can get the money, so that I can pay <consequently> the bills to do the things that I don't want to do. What? Yeah,
1: it's, it's a hard <Indo ok> realization when, you know, in your 20s, It's funny, I I get all these emails, and if if they tell me how old they are in their first sentence, I know how the rest of the email is going to go. When they say, oh, I've read your book, I love it, I'm 22 years old, and I know how it's going to go. They're going to come here, they're going to barter their way here, they're going to live in a van by the river, it's going to be great, I'm so excited. There are really no obstacles when you're in your 20s. You truly believe any dream you have is possible. It's a great time in your life, you know? and if the if they're in their 30s it starts out you know i read your book I'm in my 30s the man wants to go but the woman doesn't because she has a child and it complicates things with women because for obvious reasons you're thinking about education and things but the man has a glimpse of what he doesn't want to do the rest of his life you know it's like that realization right. oh my gosh i've been doing this 10 years i'm in this job i i want to go but now i'm tied down when they're in their 40s, both won't go because they're both saving to, say, to send Jimmy to, little Jimmy to college. So it's a different thing. It's all about their, their IRA. A lot of IRA talk I have with people. They have their <laughs> IRA. And they, don't, they both don't want to go. In their 50s, the woman wants to go. The man doesn't because now the kid is in college, and the woman wants to celebrate that her child is off and she did her job.
2: And the man wants to rest.
1: The man wants to rest, and honestly, Rick, a lot of these guys have high cholesterol and high blood pressure. They're just really in a bad shape. They're overweight.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. They're
1: depressed. They've been in the profession way too long. They're scared to leave the profession now because they see the end for retirement. It's a complicated thing with a guy in his 50s,
2: I realize. It's like, yeah, it sucked, and I would have done it different if I could do it over, but I'm almost there.
1: But I'm almost there. (laughs) I'm
2: going to keep going.
1: (laughs) Celebrating in her 50s. She is celebrating that that kid is on their own and out of the house, like she's ready for an adventure. Then the 60s, they both want to go. But this is where the complication starts, is they can't just go anywhere anymore because there's health issues. So they might be tied down to a place closer to a hospital, you know, maybe like an hour and a half from San Jose. There's, there's different things they need to be concerned about. And then, the, unfortunately, the emails in their 70s, they wish they would have. That's always a sad email. Yeah, I wish would have. So I try to take things from each of these decades. Now I'm now I'm 43, so I understand being in, what that means in your 40s. But if I can kind of keep a little bit of the 20s with me, you well, know, that optimism.
2: I think that, that piece yeah. you were talking about that you get back in touch with is almost that childlike quality of you know. I mean, you look at a two-year-old or three-year—they old get up in the morning and. They scan their surroundings for the next exciting thing. And when they see it, they're off. Whether it's crawling or running or whatever they can do, they're off. They're off to go get it. And with no thought about what's going to happen next, except shiny thing there, me go. And and that's within all of us, I think. That memory of that absolute freedom of because you get there and the shiny thing's no fun. You just stop and scan and look for the next, Oh, shiny thing. And you're off, you know? So there's not really any room for even disappointment. And, um, and I think that's what you're talking about. People getting back in touch with. And, um, and it's that part that when you're deep in it, you, you have trouble seeing that's what you've lost. Sure. And, sure. Uh, but I, I've, I've had my opportunities over the years to see some of the... uh, I worked in the offshore drilling industry for a while. Um, I was in the maritime department where we did the environmental stuff. At least that's how I excused it for myself at the time. Um, But I remember the, the biggest point of celebration for management was when somebody that was coming up through the ranks bought a house. They would like celebrate. And I always thought... Yeah, okay. We can celebrate cuz they bought a house. And but since I was management too, they explained to me, "No, no, he's in debt. He's not going to quit his job now. We got it." Mm. Oh, we wow. got it. Yeah. And, what a way to look at it. And and I was just like I just like, looked at him almost like tilted my head like a dog like, "What? Do what?" Cuz it was just not even in part of my reality, you know, until he said that. And then I was like, Ooh, yeah, no, I gotta go. And so um that's you know, in in, in one of the ways that I've been a great disappointment to my father is because I'll
4: oh. <laughs> I'll start
2: <laughs> doing something and, 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 and I'll get to the point where I begin to see behind the curtain and then I'm like, Yeah, no, I gotta go. This stinks. And, well,
1: I was a great disappointment when I moved here. That was awful. My father didn't talk to me for at least six months. And it wasn't it was until the the first book came out and it was on CNN. And then oh. I was just the the smartest daughter in the world who made the best decision ever, you
2: know.
3: It's like a complete reversal. That's my
2: girl there on CNN. That's her, girl. You
3: know? We gotta send this to the relatives. They need to know. And um You're now the you're now the second guest we've had on the show who said it wasn't until I was on TV that my parents accepted that what I was doing was legitimate. I think that
1: my father knew I had the chops for writing, and he always wanted to be a writer. But to, to, to have the book succeed the way it did, and I self-published, so that is a miracle in itself that anybody found me and to, to, to get recognized with CNN. And then I did a show with Jimmy Buffett's daughter. Savannah Buffett came down and filmed us for four days. And and all these things are just like coming from, you know, all the last thing that I did, that my father just is so happy for me that now I get to do what I love to do, and I'm getting recognition for it. And um, it's it's nice to see him happy like that and proud of me. And, and now he comes here for six weeks. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> he thought I was going to get murdered here, or the Sandinistas were going to come. You can't get rid of my parents now. You know they'll be down here six I months don't. if I gave the option.
3: That's awesome. So isn't That's that awesome? A yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I think it's hard because there's this huge huge generational gap there i mean now people are doing things because it's their passion to do them and they're finding ways with the technology that we have to be able to succeed without the backing of the big guys you know what i mean like you don't have to work your way up the ladder you just have to move to costa rica and write a book and you can be successful that way um but the the generation that brought us into being life was not like that for them not you know, even
1: remote if my father like that. was like what you just said if my father was the other generation and my father is in his 70s so that's not the flower power generation that's poodle skirts and stuff no. that's way back then yeah. so if he was somebody who was more do what you want you know that type of thing i would never be in the position i'm in now i'm thankful for what he gave me, I'm thankful he told me to work hard and study hard and and try harder and and be the first in my family to even open a business. I mean all those things I realize now were are what got me to this place, so you know on when he, when he now he says to me "I'm so happy for you," and he's really the part he's really the reason for it so isn't that's funny how that worked out
2: <laughs> oh it is and and well, it's very cool very cool. certainly, very cool. And uh, I, I probably had a little of that because, see, here I don't live in Kerrville anymore, and it's my parents. They're up there because they fell in love with it when they came to visit me. And uh, so it was me that was the nut that left. <laughs> <laughs> either that or either that or they were waiting for me to leave, and they were like, okay, that's there's someplace he's not. Let's go there.
1: It's always fun to be the nut in the family. Everybody's got to have a nut in the family. so. I will. I will Absolutely. be. I will volunteer to be the nut in my family. I will be the one. Absolutely. I will pave way for the nutty behavior. So. All
2: right.
3: Absolutely.
4: Well,
2: Here we approach our.
3: We're at time.
2: A point. Hour. I
3: Wow, that was quick. <laughs> a of, this is great. I hope you do a show
1: out of Costa Rica.
2: This is awesome. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll be We're doing ready? the show. Oh yeah, show, absolutely. And, and, uh, I'll be absolutely. Having folks We're not standing on the enough, and, and, uh, uh, and Jane will be back. Down. She's already pretty much threatened. And well, um, and we have uh-huh. we have other folks we know in Costa Rica. Oddly enough, that we need to go see. So we have Sierra. Uh, Sierra moved down there, I guess, 15 years ago, and swims with dolphins and whales. Oh, wow,
1: and, that's incredible. Yes.
2: Uh, and just, sure. you know, puts her posts on Facebook like, you know, oh, I went out swimming this morning and, you know, 25 dolphins surrounded me and so we played <laughs> and had fun. and.
1: Yeah, this now, is my Monday morning. <laughs> what <gonna>, do?
2: <laughs> now I'm going to go to work, which is to take a dozen people out to go swim with more dolphins, so oh, I'll okay. get back to you later. <laughs> and, <laughs> And, you know, puts up film of the monkeys outside her bedroom or the koati that comes, because her, she's redoing some stuff now, but her bedroom for the longest time, it was open air. There weren't, you know, no windows, no screens, no, just open. And uh, so she'd wake up with monkeys in the room or, you know, but she'd also go walk out to the railing and call parrots and they would fly down from the tree and come eat birdseed.
1: Well, I can't wait to see your pictures, Rick and hear your stories and just and uh find out how your story unfolds. I think this is going to be really wonderful.
2: Oh, it's going to be glorious. And uh uh and then after she comes back to Costa Rica again, I got to sometime when it's warm go up and visit the Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> if <laughs> I'm if I'm permitted, it's hard to tell. They're pretty protective of their little kingdom out there. I would be too.
3: Well, <clears throat> Well, hopefully hopefully by next year we'll have the uh, studio built and um, the spare room ready because we're, we're planning on building an artist retreat here for um, wayward artists who need to get away. And, um, yeah, because I want to share this because this is cool. Going to sleep to crickets and waking up with birds. This is a good way to live.
2: Which is in part why you wrote, wrote the book, was to share your good fortune. Uh I'm sure. So for our legions of podcast listeners who don't get close enough to a screen cuz would like to remind everybody you can just hop on iTunes and subscribe and every uh Wednesday and Friday morning and and pretty soon a lot of mornings uh there will be a brand new everyday connection on your iPod uh when you go jogging. Uh but to find Nadine and in her book and you've actually written the sequel now, haven't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. I so, wrote the sequel and I'm writing a third book now called so the Escape Manual.
2: We'll have to we'll have to get you back <laughs> to tell us about the sequel and then when the Escape Manual comes out we'll do a big release uh, uh, interview and all that.
1: Oh, that's uh, all and I'm doing a cooking show too.
2: But folks can, can, can find you at happier than a billionaire
1: dot com uh, dot or Facebook dot com slash happier billionaire. I share lots of pictures. I share basically my whole life in photos, so it's a lot of fun.
2: Absolutely. So we strongly encourage everybody to go visit, and, of course, all that information will be on the archive at everydayconnection.me soon after the show or by tomorrow sometime. Uh, And, again, it's everydayconnection.me because it's all about me, no matter which (laughs) one of us me's is reading it at the time. We have people coming, Jean? We We do.
3: We do. We have um um an old friend of mine who actually worked with me in the rat race when I was living in Toronto. And uh, who after parting ways for three years and not seeing each other, we end up pretty much working in the same kind of same kind of industry. Although um the energetics of his work might be a little more hard hitting than ours. <laughs> but um he's he's gone down the independent media path and now works for Media Wrench as um, one of their, I don't know, interviewers. um,
2: Throwing a wrench into the gears of media. media, Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) That's that's what he does. Um, Definitely a show to tune into. Super, super intelligent personality and no holds barred. So, um, you know, if, if, if you're one of our listeners who likes to challenge our guests, this might be a good one to call in because he's gonna he's gonna want to talk about social issues. Uh, definitely has some issues with um, education, politics, stuff like that. And he he doesn't he doesn't bite his tongue. He's not very good at that. So
2: <laughs> well, and I, I think it's gonna be tremendous fun because you went to journalism school and then pretty yeah. much didn't go into journalism because you didn't Absolutely. like the idea that they weren't letting people write what they saw as the truth. And
3: right. And when when I went when I left Toronto he was going to school um for
2: for architecture.
3: So he completely um yeah, building engineering and architecture. He completely
2: so I have no idea became what a fiction happened author so I'm and curious. personality and a, and an architect who became a Media personality. Yeah, in.
3: yeah, and I have no idea awesome. how that happens. We haven't talked about it, so it'll be interesting. But again, he's he's a good guest to call in and ask questions of because uh, he he doesn't lie, he doesn't hold back. He's gonna give you the most honest, blunt answer, and it'll be an intellectual answer because he he he's, he's quite intelligent um, individual and and just fun to talk to. <laughs> Stumping him is almost impossible. So I think you and him are going to have a good night. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be and fun. Uh, it, it and will then, help. absolutely. And the next week, the week from tomorrow, we're, we're having another one of our uh, specials. Of uh, course, we have, uh, I think, like a month worth of specials. So maybe it's going to just start being Wednesday. But uh, a week from yeah. tomorrow, we will be with uh, Charles Gilchrist again. Uh, with more sacred geometry and symbolism in sacred geometry. So uh, don't forget us next week. But tune in Thursday for Media Wrench. Uh, Monkey Wrench, Media Wrench, something.
4: I, mean,
2: I don't know. We're going to wrench something on. on wait, no. Um.
3: I'm going to hit you overhead with the wrench. <laughs> um,
2: so join join us on Thursday. And until then,
3: to our mother, to each other, and especially to yourselves, stay connected.
2: Good night, everybody. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash connection. Think you might miss an episode? no problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free just like your everyday connection.